You're listening to episode number 11 of the Wellness Real Estate Podcast. Today, I have Garni Nigren from the very first wellness lifestyle neighborhood, Serenby, located just outside Atlanta, Georgia. I interviewed Garni last year on my other podcast, Blooming a Healthy Home by Design, but I thought I should share the story of Serenby here too. What is so interesting about this story to me is how one person with a great idea can create positive impact that has a ripple effect across the world. Serenby was the very first wellness lifestyle community that started because the landowners wanted to protect their own backyard from urban sprawl. Now it is known as the first agrihood and has been the inspiration for wellness lifestyle communities across the country. If you're new to wellness real estate, you'll love to hear about the unfolding of this incredible community and how it has inspired a whole new segment of real estate development, wellness real estate. Intentionally planned neighborhoods centered on the well-being of the residents. And as a real estate agent, why does this matter to you? Because you matter. Your influence matters. How you interact and guide your clients matters. And you as an agent can be a part of something so much more. Even through real estate, you can make a big positive impact in this industry and in the world. Wellness real estate is a new idea that's growing. The Global Wellness Institute says that this market has nearly doubled since 2017 and as of November 2021 is now worth $275 billion. As more and more wellness lifestyle communities begin to be developed near every major city, more and more people are going to realize that homes can be supportive of health. And what an opportunity we agents have to help our clients with existing homes to help educate them on how they can create a healthier home environment. Not only will this benefit your clients, but it will differentiate you in the marketplace. We all know health and wellness is big business, but now more than ever, everyone is aware of health and wellness. It has been brought to the forefront of everyone's minds because of the recent pandemic. But there's so much more that goes into health and well-being besides what's on your plate and exercise. Finances, relationship, home environment, or other important aspects. So are your feelings of self-worth and your need to feel like you matter and that you are using your talents and skills. So I encourage you to be the thought leaders that can offer solutions to our community that will help them thrive. And I know that if this message speaks to you, then you will especially love learning more about Serenity. Okay, let's grow. Welcome to the Real Estate Marketing Podcast, where we explore a unique strategy no one is talking about that will enable you to engage more people with authentic conversations about your business more often. And it's called Wellness Real Estate. Not sure what that is or how it can help you as an agent? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. In fact, Wellness Real Estate is growing so rapidly that it is projected to be nearly $870 billion by 2027. I'm Sheila Alston, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Healthy Home Media, where I help agents all over the country leverage this new trend in the industry to spark new conversations that will get people to listen to you and notice your brand. So if you're tired of spinning your wheels without any leads or sales to show for it, then stay tuned. I guarantee this podcast is not like any you've heard before. Welcome to the Wellness Real Estate Podcast. Welcome. We're here with Garni Nigren, and I'm so excited for you to meet her because she's going to tell us about an amazing wellness community that is just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and it's been around since 2004. Welcome, Garni. Thank you. So happy to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about Serenby because it has such an interesting story. I don't think that your parents, um, who are the founders, ever really 
had the idea when they first found the, the land, right? They, it kind of just developed on its own. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Absolutely. So um, in 1991, right? So um, almost 20 years ago, um, we were on a weekend drive um, and stumbled upon the initial 60 acres of what we then called the farm, affectionately, today called Serapy. Uh -huh. um, and two weeks after visiting, my mom said, I don't know why, but I think we need to buy the farm. Um, and my dad said, okay, happy wife, happy life, we'll buy the farm. And when we're not using it, thinking that we would come down like once a month, right, for the day, yeah. when we're not using it, we'll sell it in two years. Yeah. Um, well, the, that thought uh, turned into once a month was every single weekend, our car was, par was packed in Midtown Atlanta, and we couldn't wait to get down to the farm. Um, and so after three years of coming on the weekends, my dad had the kind of opportunity and realization of opportunity to retire early yeah. and realization of like, you know, the kids, I have two, I have two younger sisters, um, are completely blossoming and at the farm where they have the ability to run around and pick up sticks and just spending time in nature. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we moved to what's now Sarah in 1994, um, full time with my dad thinking that it was going to be full-time retirement. Um, and <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And so fast forward to 1999, uh, we realized that we were in the path of uh, the sprawl of Metro Atlanta. 1999 was really the height of the sprawl of Metro Atlanta, where so much of um, the green fields, right, areas around Metro Atlanta that were farms um, or just open, open green space, were becoming what I'll affectionately call Anywhere USA, right, our typical yeah. subdivisions and strip malls. Um, and so that was really the kind of that time period in 1999 was when my dad came out of retirement and the thought process for it wasn't hey we want to become developers but it was how do we protect our own backyard mm -hmm. um, and how do we protect the green space and realizing that buying land just to do nothing with it right yeah. um, isn't possible and definitely isn't sustainable right isn't it isn't sustainable necessarily as a model around the country not only because of growing population but you you run out of financial resources right and so um, the idea for Serenby started as like, how do we come up with a development tool and a development model to protect green space? Mm -hmm. How can we think about green space and development um, being in balance and harmony? Um, and so I'll pause there, but that's how we got from 1991 of the weekend home um, to 2000 of thinking about a development model that highly incorporates green space. I love that. So then how many um, people did you have to get together to actually start the wheels in motion? I mean, I wouldn't even know how to, how to start something like that. I, you know. <laughs> yes, it's an undertaking. Yes. So um, it was my dad had been in um, the hospitality restaurant world for multiple years. Okay. So had not been on the development side, but had definitely been on the like building creation side of spaces. Okay. Um, and because of his 30 plus years in the restaurant world was connected, um, in Atlanta and to people. And so kind of through his network, he was like, I'm thinking about doing this, right. This crazy yeah. thing of building a, a dense walkable town in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was that right. Yeah. Of reaching out. Now I think like to our, I think like it's, it's always interesting. Right. So I think anything that comes in in any industry, in any space, 
um, that comes in to think about really being disruptive and a, and a positive disruption, right, of a new model and thinking about something differently, I think you, you have to come in it without, without knowing what you're doing. Because yeah. otherwise, if you come, I think so often, if you come knowing kind of like how to do it, you get too, I think you both get too stuck in like the old fundamental ways of how things have been going. Yeah. yeah. You're not able to like be outside of the box as much. So I well, think- and it, I'm sorry to interrupt. It seems like when you have more minds together too, and you come from a collaborative point of view and you're just asking the questions like, how can we make this work? you know, you're going to get a better solution than if you just came up with it yourself anyways. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's amazing. So then how long did this idea take to develop before um, a house was actually built in Serenby? Yep. So planning for Serenby um, from 2000 to 2002 is really work on overall zone, zoning for this larger area. So not only for Serenby, but for a larger area that we sit within, that's now the city of Chattahoochee Hill Country. Oh. It's about a 40,000 acre area, which is, which is the size of Napa Valley for contact. Wow. And that was, um, it was a two and a half year effort to create the largest land use change in the recent history in the state of Georgia. Um, to ensure that not only Serenby's land would be protected green space, but that the neighbors around us would also be. Um, it was then in 2002 that we started, when that zoning was passed, that we started planning for Serenby. Uh -huh. um, and the first person moved in in May of 2005. And what was the first amenity that you created? Or, or when you promoted this to the public and said, look, we've got this great idea, what, what was that pitch? What brought the people in? Um, it was, uh, you know, a, a community of people living amongst a community of trees, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was yeah. this idea, it was really green space, um, yeah. green space and community. Right. And thinking about like how um, that like urban streetscape in the middle of the woods. But and still, there's probably a lot of people who are like, okay, I love the idea, but do I really want to live in the middle of the woods because it's going to take me half an hour to get to the grocery store or the initial to... The initial bet without question was like, my dad had built a successful real estate, I mean, a restaurant company, right? And so it was like, this idea sounds totally crazy, um, but <laughs> he built a successful restaurant company. <laughs> so maybe this will work, yeah. right? Like yeah. maybe this works. And so that's literally... Um, I think the early people, right, yeah. um, were like betting on him. And then also we, you know, we created beautiful materials and collateral um, to begin to like articulate. And, and the beautiful materials and collateral were, le were less like imagery of other places. And really um, we commissioned artists um, mm -hmm. to think about um, how do you artistically kind of like pull on people's, not even pull on, but speak to people, the emotive, um, components that will be here right and so but without question the people who bought in the early like 2005 were fully buying into like vision and dream yeah right? because uh, how long did it take before you had a functioning restaurant and a little farmer's market and things like that it was about a year oh so that's not we, too long no we knew that we needed to because we were because it was so like fundamentally different right mm -hmm. it was important for us to start to create sense of place early so we opened the Blue Eyed Daisy Bake Shop in the community pretty early. Yeah. Um, a year in, like 2006, because, well, for really for three reasons. One, we knew we needed to start to create that place, right? That sense mm -hmm. of place. Um, number two, it's, it's really, I think, one of the fundamental ways of building community is creating a place where people can break bread together. Yeah. Um, and so 
um, knew that we needed that kind of like place where people could run into each other um, mm -hmm. and, and have a, you know, cappuccino or have lunch in an unplanned manner and fashion. Um, and then number three, we knew that we needed, which kind of ties to number one, but needed a space when you were here looking at Serenby and thinking about it, that you don't create that like disconnect of, well, now I need a meal. Like, where do I go? <laughs> right. And you have to like leave entirely. Right. Right. Or if you want to walk, I remember when we lived in a, um, more of a, I don't want to call it a track neighborhood, but it kind of was a track neighborhood. We loved it because the garages weren't in the front, they were on the side. So at least the lots were a little bit bigger, but it was when we were yeah. first married and we were like, oh, this is so cute. And then when we moved in, we were like, let's go on a walk. And it was just around the neighborhood. There was really nothing to walk to or, so we did it for a little bit when we first lived there, but then I kind of grew, I was like, I want to walk to a coffee shop or I want to walk to a something to go <laughs> do something like it. Then you feel like you're a little more productive if you're going to walk and get some vegetables or something rather than just walk. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the, this whole concept around walkable neighborhoods where mm -hmm. you have so many like real estate developers or professionals thinking that walkability is providing sidewalks. Mm -hmm. Walkability is providing not only like a scale, right? A scale that's walkable and then a place to walk, but is providing something to walk to. To yeah, what you spoke to right. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like hey, you just provide a place where you can go walk for thirty minutes. Like yeah. that's great if you need exercise, right? But right. so much of like walkable lifestyle um, is it's having places to walk to. Yeah, so. exactly. So tell me, um, what was if if I? It's just outside of Atlanta, and you said it's how many thousand acres? Yeah, so we are, so Serenby is about 1,100 acres, uh -huh. um, of which at, at full completion, 30% or 300 acres um, will be densely developed with approximately 1,100 homes and up to a million square feet of commercial restaurant, office space, office hotel space, and then 700 acres of permanently protected green space. Wow. And um, then how big are the lots? Oh. The, the lots. Um, lots are anywhere from, you know, a a tenth, even less than like a half a tenth of an acre where you have um, a thousand square foot home that has a 600 square foot footprint, right? Um, to a half an acre that sits in the middle of the woods. Um, yep. But you were trying, I mean, the, the reasoning behind that is because you're still wanting to create community. You don't want to create a whole bunch of people that are, have several acres and don't talk to their neighbors. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like um, by interesting, we'll have people show up and say like, I love the sense of community and walkability and front porches and I want, um, can I, can I want an acre or I want two acres yeah. and those two things do not coexist. Right. If that, if that makes sense. So like you can't create community and everybody living on an acre. So right. what we say is like, and it's also like, well, why do we all need an acre? Like nobody really knows why they need an acre. Right. <laughs> um, what we do need, what we do all need is access to green space. Mm -hmm. So with our 700 acres of permanently protected green space that you either are backing up to and are views from the back or front of your house, or that you're within like a 30 second walk to, you know, our trail system that's 15 miles and growing, um, you, you have more than an acre, right? So it's like when you put acres of, that are acre lots next to each other, mm -hmm. you see all of your neighbors and acres not enough to create privacy. Right. Um, density surrounded by 
green space and at a proportion of 70-30, so 30% developed, 70% um, 70% green space gives you a tremendous sense of that green space that you're looking for. Is that my thing? That, no, it's mine and I cannot get, um, <laughs> sorry, you're, everybody wants your attention. <laughs> and it's messages that I have quit out of and that it's still, uh, it is still, I can't, let me try to, let me just go. So you live there. When did you move to Serenby? So um, I lived, grew up here, right? Yeah, Went yeah. to um, the hotel and restaurant school at Cornell, never thinking that I was going to come home. Thought I was going to travel around the world and work with a hospitality operator, um, but moved back um, right after college, so May of 2005, and have been back for the last 15 years um, without, um, so have been part of it. I moved back two weeks before the first person moved in. Oh, wow. And now your family, you have kids and your family lives there? Yep, I have, and my sisters, so everybody has moved back. We all live here, so oh. my sisters are here, um, and my middle sister, Kara, has two kids, and then I have two kids. So. Oh my gosh, that must make your parents so happy to just think that they developed this neighborhood, not only for just your family, but now you, you know, you're their grandkids, and here. how many yeah. people live in Serenby now? About 800. Wow. Yeah. So what is a day in a life like if you live in Serenby? Um, so a day in a life, like, so today, Friday, right, where it's a beautiful day and the sun is out. Um, it's everything from waking up and going and getting like a cappuccino at the Blue Eye Daisy Bake Shop, um, a cold press juice at Bamboo Juices, um, going on anywhere from personally, like I, the 15 miles of trails allow me to go on a great like five to six mile run, mm -hmm. um, just going out of my backyard and being in nature, right? Mm -hmm um to there's um community um for all of the kids community soccer game tonight at 5 30. um our the we have an organic farm so 25 acres set aside for the um our organic farm um that has csa pickup but tonight is veggie stand or today is veggie stand pickup from 3 30 to 5 30. Nice. um nice. and it's all all of this happens like right within a walkable scale and where you run into neighbors um, along the way. So I always like joke that I'll plan on what should be like a, a five minute golf cart ride, right? Yeah. We have golf carts that people use on the streets. A five minute golf cart ride um, will take 20 minutes um, because yeah. you run into people like along the way yeah. um, who, who, who engage in a like super positive way, right? Who just want right. to who want to say hello, who want to have a conversation, who want to talk about like something happening, inviting you to, to like something this weekend. Um, and I always like the quality of life here is so tremendously high that you don't want to plan things on the weekends. Like you don't want to have plans because you want to be available and open to all of the impromptu things that come about. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I don't think people have realized until really this year how much social interaction just plays such a huge part in our overall well-being because um, we all want, you know, it seems like everybody wants privacy and the ability to relax and just like do whatever they want on their own. So, so many developers in the past have created these standalone communities where everybody can be by themselves, but I don't think that's making us healthier in general. I think we need that connection. We need it, to be. It, yeah, it hasn't been making us healthy, even mm -hmm. like pre-COVID, we just didn't realize it, right? Right. 
Right. And so it's that, I mean, I, I say that like we've built these beautiful jail cells called houses in America <laughs> yeah. for the last 20 years where yeah. everything that you need is inside the house, right? Mm -hmm. Like the movie theater to the espresso machine to, and then you wake up and realize that like you're totally alone and it's not the things that like fulfill us, but it's, it's community and it's interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is really only possible to have through the built environment, right? It's, it's the built environment is, is the number one foundation to creating community. It's, right. I think a lot, for a lot of adults, um, the last time that they really lived in community and mm -hmm. their adult life is college. So right. college campuses, right, have that huge, like tremendous sense of community because so much of a college campus is built around that walkable scale. Um, well, and if you think about it, that's when we have some of the best times of our lives, right? And that's when we meet all of our friends and that's, I mean, yes. and, then you, and then you leave that. <laughs> and, then and you never you have, have that again. And so it's like, why? Like, why, yeah. why have we settled for that? Right? Right. And when you kind of ask people that it's either like, we don't, there aren't enough options, right? Mm -hmm. And, or like, we've kind of just, we're all like trained in this way of thinking mm -hmm. like, well, I need the acre and I need the big house and I need all of the things. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we kind of, to your point, then now we have a year of COVID where you can't run away from all of that. Right. You're kind of in it. And all of a sudden everybody's realizing like, I don't really like where I live. Yeah. Like, I'm not really <laughs> happy. Right. Right. Like right. I actually don't want to be in a house with my spouse and children like 24 seven. Um, right. Or if I live alone, like it's really lonely to live in a place, not only where you live alone, but where there is no one. Right. So does that, you know, yeah. and so we've seen, Serenby has seen a huge, huge um, increase in interest and just overall traffic because people are having kind of that realization of like, I want to live in a place that's more than just the four walls of my house. Well, and I hope that you have gotten a lot of um, interest just from people realizing that this kind of development is amazing for the community at you know, not just the residents, but probably for the people that live even around Serenby because they can come to your restaurants and they can come and um, absolutely there and, and be surrounded by this beautiful green space. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And so that's where like, we're always like from the wellness real estate component, mm -hmm. like we didn't set out to create wellness real estate, right? Or even think about like, what is wellness real estate? Mm -hmm. Um, it definitely, it found us, right? Yeah. Um, but it is, it speaks so much to that component of like we, um, when, when you're able to think about like a life well lived and what goes into that um, and what goes into just kind of really the fundamental core DNA of creating that place, um, the ingredients of the built environment, you do end up with a place that makes, um, that allows for residents to be, um, to be healthier, I don't, I kind of like to avoid the word happy because like, what does happy mean anymore? But like to be content, right? Uh -huh. um, and, and to find that place where like, you feel good about where you're living, mm -hmm. um, where you have access to nature and access to community and access to food sources. And you find yourself emotionally, mentally, and physically in a, in a more, like in a more well state. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's our hope from from Sarah because everybody one Sarah is not going to be big we're only a thousand homes right mm -hmm. but that we're here as an example and as a platform for like it is possible right it's possible to, to not only create this space but it's possible to seek out a place to live where all of those components are are here
I love that. So in my magazine, I'm featuring wellness communities and we did one um, for a new, it's a new development in Oceanside, California. It's called North River Farms. I feel like it's very similar to what you have here, but it's, um, they're going to have a winery and a CSA farm and education and they're going to have a maker's mark building where you can shop for artisan things. Um, yeah. It's only, it's much smaller. It's going to be about 500 homes. But they want to have like a wine and balloon festival for the for the whole city that's there. They're going to have an outdoor amphitheater and things, and they're going to have trails and dog parks and a place to walk to and sidewalks. And I love that. So I just wonder. I mean, is this new agrihood um, going to be a model where they're all the same, or what do you think makes Serenby uniquely different than just that? So I'm one, I'm biased, right? Um, but two, two I think, you know, what without question makes Sarah be uniquely different um, is we're so much more than like, than the agrihood component, right? A farm is, the farm is one of a hundred things that goes into lifestyle here. Mm -hmm. um, so from our um, commitment to green space, right? Mm -hmm. To 15 miles of trails, to 30 plus independent retailers and restaurants and growing right so that you have that like not only farm component where you're getting vegetables but that you can walk and pick up a bottle from a wine store and talk to like the person who owns the wine shop is running it and making recommendations um to the the multi-generational component of it um we have everybody living here from newborns to 91 and everything in between and i think that you know, we, we underestimate the power of living in a community where you can have relationships mm -hmm. with people who are not your age and who are in different life cycles and stages and who can be friends and mentors, um, where you can really live at San like you can live and go five days without getting in a car, right? Mm -hmm. But walking 20,000 steps a day, yeah. um, through just like genuine walking from A to B. And so it's that kind of fundamental, how can you live in a place that's not centered around a vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can have access to all of the components of life um, without having to get in a car. Um, I think we definitely under underestimate what like that car time from yes. A to B can sometimes do. Um, so I think it's all of those different layers and components. Um, and then living in a place that like, that aesthetically inspires you. You know, we, um, it's kind of that like life should be beautiful, right? We should when be. Did you, when you thought about the retail you were gonna have, you're probably like, it cannot look like a strip mall. <laughs> so what do you do with all the cars that do wanna park there that come in from out of town? I mean, do well, you have a aesthetic so it, plan? Yeah. Yes, well, so cars are, it's interesting, right? When you look to some of our best urban cities or little towns in Europe, they have cars figured out, mm -hmm. right? You make everything parallel spaces. And if you need parking, if you need overflow parking, you have like removed parking lots that you don't visually see. Mm -hmm. um, and so fundamentally, like we have designed Serenby around the person, not the car. Mm -hmm. And so everything comes from the standpoint of like, how do we make things accessible to people on foot? And then cars are secondary. Right. Um, whether that's like garages or parking lots or so it's possible to like allow for the parking spaces for commercial, but you make people walk. Yeah. And when you're going from commercial node from A to B or place, you know, C to D, like you can walk from those places. You don't have to drive. It's only mm -hmm. in America, right? Where we're like, oh, I need to go from, you know, <laughs> this place to that place. I'm just going to drive in my car everywhere. Well, um, 
it is a lonelier place to be too. And I feel like because it's so convenient and we're always in a rush, but this year has just been an amazing opportunity for us to sl all slow down at the same time. Right. Right. And to realize what's this rush, like, how are we, right. like one of my least favorite words has become and has been for a couple of years. It's like busy. When you yeah. ask them, like, how are you? And they're like, I'm busy. It's like, well, what, what does that mean? Like, how <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> but right, we kind of started societally, we started to use busy as this like status right. symbol. And it's like, well, you're busy with what? Like, what right. are you, you know? Well, 10 years could go by and you've been busy, but did you accomplish any of the things that you really wanted to do? Or did you, you know, what? And so I think that it's really easy for us to just be busy all the time doing the things. And we don't have enough, we don't have time to actually think about, well, what is it? What's my goal? Where yeah. do I want my life to be in five years? What right. do I want to be raising? You know, how do I want to be raising my family? What's important to us as, you know, a family? And yeah. how do I, how do I design my life to be that, you know? Yeah. And if you don't think about it and you're not conscious about what you're trying to plan out, you could, 10 years could go by and you've lived being busy and you don't have connection and you don't have all the things that would bring you more happiness than stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So I love this. It's so amazing. Um, you were probably one of the first wellness communities developed, right? I mean, back in 2004, I think we, I think we probably were, um, the first wellness and definitely, um, when agrihood became a, a term, right. Yeah. It was referenced in an article of naming like Sarenby and agrihood. And I remember the word came out and we were like, agrihood, is that, is that like <laughs> when someone called us an agrihood? Yeah. And then yeah. it like, it kind of went viral, right? right. We were like, okay, we're in agrihood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I live in the agrihood. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I also just did an article about the total opposite. It's a urban kind of wellness design in San Diego called the Idea District. And okay. it's about bringing um, inspiration, uh, art, oh gosh, education and design all together, but in the in I, <laughs> design <laughs> right after inspiration. And um, anyways, they wanted to attract you know, young professionals and bring tech workers there. So they built um, 32 square blocks of downtown San Diego with the idea of having where, where you could work and play and have connection and have arts around you and good food and not just make an apartment complex. So it's pretty interesting. I just think that um, I love that you've inspired so many other developers to create a place where people live, but it's not just their home. It's about their community. It's about having amenities and it's about bringing connection to everybody that lives there and even the surrounding communities around it. It's just, it's wonderful. And I really hope that um, that's the new way developers just start developing in the future. Thank you. And I hope so too. It's, it's, you know, it's, we need a fundamental shift when you think about like the, that we are more un, un, unhappy and unhealthy than we've ever been societally. Right. Right. So we've got to like figure out how to create that shift and create that. Well, culture. I do think it's because people are always going after the things and then it's really the people that have acquired these things that then tell everybody, no, it's not, just the things, <laughs> you know, you need the people and you need, yeah. you know, um, you need the connection and you need to be giving of yourself to others in, you know, everybody has talents and gifts. And so if you are sharing those with other people, it doesn't mean that you're giving away money or whatever. It could be that you're just 
helping a friend or you're, you're inspiring somebody to be their best selves, you know, and if, if you have that connection and those conversations with people more often than not, um, you're going to be happier and more fulfilled inside. So I love that we can have communities designed for that to be happening. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So what is, um, so what's going on right now with Serenby? You, you have Serenby Real Estate. What is that just marketing the homes within the neighborhood or what is that? Yeah, absolutely. So Serenby Real Estate is the brokerage arm mm -hmm. uh, that works with our builders. Um, so represents builders and developer and, and lot sales. Um, but what's going on in Serenby, so we're about um, almost 45% of the way through the neighborhood. Um, we're actively building out Motto, our third neighborhood, um, with a commercial. Each of our neighborhoods has a different commercial focus or intention. Um, Selborne, our first neighborhood, focused on the arts. Um, Grange, our second neighborhood around agriculture, it's where the farms is. And then Motto, our third neighborhood, the commercial focus and intention there is wellness. Um, and so we are um, about halfway through Motto and are breaking ground on like the second half um from from homes and so are actively uh working on building that out um so if your focus is on wellness what is it that you're providing in that third part that's different than the others as we say like wellness is everywhere throughout serenby um but as practitioners come in and so thinking about like how pract where practitioners physically are and so that if um so all most of mo the commercial within motto is geared and oriented towards um, health and wellness practitioners. Mm -hmm. and so we think that it helps to create like um, overall sense of place mm -hmm. if your commercial components um, are cohesive, right? So that the dentist office is not next to the art gallery that's next to like the retail shop, right? right. So um, we about a year and a half ago opened our first um, uh, commercial building in Mato that's about 28,000 square feet and home to 15 different wellness practitioners. So Motto has everything from a cold press juice company, Bamboo Juices, to our yoga studio, Pilates reformer studio, gym, um, holistic dentist, uh, pediatrician, chiropractor, physical therapist, um, integrative doctor, like on and on and on comprehensively. So you're creating really a town that yes. <laughs> that you can walk to everything and i mean i watched the video that your dad did where he just said that the old towns from 50 to 100 years ago they had all these elements that our communities are losing um yep. and so i would imagine walkability is just one of those elements what are the other elements that you can think of that you're trying to incorporate in serenity that we don't have so food sources right mm -hmm. not only where you can walk um to find food um access to green space mm -hmm. so so much of like like people will we go in a car for 30 minutes to go to a park to go on a walk right? <laughs> right. so it's like well no that can just be outside of your back door um right. um and then and and then community like where right. people where you live somewhere where you genuinely want to spend time with the people who are your neighbors right and your neighbors become more than your neighbors but become your friends um well, i remember when i was a kid we used to have this green space behind our house and um, it just wasn't developed yet because it's developed yeah. now but um, there were trees and we used to climb the trees and we used to go on like snail we used to try to you know salt the snails that's not very nice of us but <laughs> we used to go on snail hunts and um, ride our bikes and you know my husband said the same thing there was like the woods and they used to run and play in the woods yeah. and um, lots of kids don't get to have that experience now and you just 
I mean, as a kid, I remember it was a fun time where you could feel a little independent. You could do whatever you wanted to do and you could just play and use your imagination for right. things rather than um, playing with so many tech tools or things that are giving you feedback rather than you being inspired and just creating something on your own. Yep. Um, so I think that going back to nature and having our kids get the opportunity to play like that just you know, we, I, I feel like I read something that said, cause I'm part of the, um, X generation and <laughs> they were saying that this whole COVID and stuff is the X generation was meant for this because we were the latchkey kids and we were the ones that were left at home all the time with the two parents working and we had woods and stuff back then. Right. And we just, we just were bored all the time and we created stuff on our own. So having to, um, you know, sit around and be bored, we're, we're okay with that. <laughs> but right. These younger generations, when they're they're used to being everything planned or having so much to do all the time, to be forced to sit home and do nothing is much probably much harder for them. Well, and it's harder for them, and then we don't live in spaces where like there are alternatives. So that's right. that becomes then. I think that's something like COVID then kind of like lifts that lifts that like you're not able to hide from that, right? right. Whereas like kids at Sanrby have shifted beautifully because. Mm -hmm you have about 160 kids that live here and yeah. kids aren't using their playrooms, right? They're outside, they're outside running on the trails and running down streams and riding bikes oh and, their, you know, and so that's been the lifestyle that kids have always lived here. And yeah. so it's that really, it's, it provides that. And there's a great book called last child in the woods um, mm -hmm. that was written about 14 years ago by Richard Louvre who talks about, how nature deficit disorder mm -hmm. and how there is an increase in ADD and a decrease in critical thinking directly related to what you're saying of kids not growing up with needing to create their own like things to do and building that imagination, mm -hmm. but instead are like fully scheduled from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it's having a direct negative correlation to so. Like there's so many things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired. I love it. I hope that someday I'll get to visit Sarenbi. Yes. Um, but if anyone wants to learn more, how can they do that? Um, so the best place to start, um, if you're sitting at home, is going to our website. Mm -hmm. um, and the second then back, and from our website, there's so much information and um, clicking you out to like different articles and, and resources. But we say there's not a single person who doesn't like, study us with from an in-depth standpoint mm -hmm. um that when they visit or like this is so much more than i ever thought so oh we always encourage people um to visit and i should say I should back up on our website we have a podcast series um when we realized that there was only so much that we could put in writing yeah and our podcast is on its um on its third season so you can access that from the website but I highly recommend for people who are intrigued and interested to access our our, our podcast serenity stories Therapy stories. That's awesome. So do you have a school in the neighborhood too? We do. We have Acton Academy, which is a model of, of learning, um, is in the neighborhood and services about 80 kids. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Um, I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. It was such a pleasure meeting you and I loved hearing about Serenby. Thank you. And thank you for having us today. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learning about Serenby. It's really so inspiring to me to hear about these amazing communities that are popping up all over the country. I feature one of them each month in my digital magazine, Wellness RE. Learn how you can share wellness real estate news with your clients. 
help them learn how to create a healthier home environment, while at the same time positioning yourself as an expert in this fast-growing segment of our industry. Simply go to wellnessrepro.com to learn more. Next week, I have a solar expert who gives us so many insightful tips on how to save our clients money on their energy bills even before they get solar, and he'll tell us why that is so critically important. He also explains why many of his clients don't even need backup batteries. Why does he do this? Well, because he's obsessed with energy savings and he believes that passing the savings on to his clients is the right thing to do. He also shares his favorite new appliance that saves so much energy and not everyone even knows about it. If you ever had anyone ask you about solar or energy savings and you weren't quite sure how to best answer their specific questions, or maybe you just want to learn how you too can save money on your utility bills, you won't want to miss next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned something new that will inspire you to think about your branding and how you can market yourself a little differently. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to love what I have for you because you don't need to wait to go get extra certifications or to grow and expand your network to get started attracting those new leads right now. You can simply begin by talking about wellness real estate trends and what you've learned on this podcast with others. I mean, this is pretty interesting stuff that no one has heard about, and I have all the tools that can make it even easier for you. Wellness Real Estate Magazine is a brand new wellness lifestyle magazine, and it's the only magazine that brings health and home together. We educate readers on industry trends and how to create a healthier home environment, written by industry experts around the country. And we have three covers to choose from, Wellness RE, Healthy Home, and Wellness at Home, so you can easily find one that aligns with your unique brand and messaging. These magazines are the perfect done-for-you tools that help you not only stay top of mind, but they educate and engage your audience, which positions you as an industry expert. Differentiate yourself and grow your brand the easy way. Learn more at HealthyHomeMedia.com.